0: Take your Bibles if you would and let's turn to Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 22 is where we'll start. We're in a series of messages from Proverbs seeking to gain some biblical wisdom for some practical and vital areas of life. We've already talked about how to be wise with your life, how to be wise with your friends and money and sex and marriage and words. And today we want to look at the subject, how to be wise with your children or how to be wise with parents how to be wise with your children proverbs 22 6 is a very familiar proverb we've seen this before proverbs 22 6 train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old he will not depart from it i must tell you i can relate to the preacher who before he had children he had preached the sermon 10 commandments for parenting then he had children and he preached on 10 guidelines for parenting and then his children became teenagers, and he quit preaching on the subject altogether. <laughs> I can relate to that. Or a man named John Wilmot said this, Before I got married, I had six theories about bringing up children. Now I have six children and no theories. <laughs> it's like that, isn't it? Parenting. Parenting is the greatest responsibility you'll ever have, to raise up a child. That's, it's the greatest responsibility, probably the hardest job you'll ever undertake. And uh, it has the potential for the greatest blessing. also holds the potential for the greatest heartache. Parenting is hard. There's only one perfect parent. And you're looking at him. No. (laughs) No, there's one perfect parent, our Heavenly Father. He doeth all things well. He is perfect and everything he does is perfect. There's only one perfect parent. Other than our Father in Heaven, there are no perfect parents. And no one's going to parent perfectly. There are no perfect children either. They're natural-born, unregenerate (laughs) heathen. They're natural-born sinners. So there are no perfect parents. There are no perfect children. There are no perfect families. Parenting is hard. It's always been hard, and it is still hard, maybe getting harder. And so this morning, let's take a look at God's Word, and let's see if we can gain some proverbial wisdom from the book of Proverbs on this vital subject on raising our children, how to be wise with your children. If you have your bulletin, there's that listening guide on the back panel, and I'm going to give you seven words to remember this morning. The first word is target. I gave you that one, target. What is our target in parenting, or what's the purpose? What's the end game? What's the goal? Well, the goal would be wise adults. We want to raise up boys and girls to be wise men and women. That is the goal here in proverbs twenty two six train up a child in the way he should go the word train has the idea of inauguration or initiation so the first time to do something or to to uh, set something on a course this is this is the direction we want to go. It can also have the idea of dedication to dedicate something for a purpose or dedicate with a purpose and all that is in view in training up a child in the way he should go we want to set a child on a course a path of life we want to train them with a purpose and the purpose in the book of proverbs is to raise wise men wise women that is the ultimate goal that's that's the aim the purpose Um, it's not just to get them up and out get them out of the house or just to get them to college or get them through college or get them a good job or help them make more money than i make no the purpose the goal in proverbs is not to raise a fool a fool is someone who despises the ways of God and loves wickedness. A wise man or a wise woman in the book of Proverbs is someone who sees life through God's, from God's perspective and lives life in God's will. That's our purpose. That's the goal. That's our end game. That's our target. We want to raise our boys and girls to be men and women who see life from God's perspective and live life in God's will. To be wise. Proverbially wise. Let's look at a few Proverbs uh, along this line. Look at Proverbs 10. So keep your Bibles open. Proverbs 10 and verse 1. A wise son makes a father glad. But a foolish son is a grief to his mother. See we want to have that wise son. In chapter 15 and verse 20. 15 and verse 20. A wise son makes a father glad. But a foolish son despises his mother. In Proverbs uh, twenty nine three says, A man who loves wisdom makes his father glad. Chapter 23. Turn with me to 23. Proverbs 23 and verse 24 and 25. Proverbs 23, 24. Start with verse 24. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice, and he who sires a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and mother rejoice, Be glad. Let her rejoice who gave birth to you. So, again, our purpose, our target, is to raise boys and girls to be wise men and women. That's the target. Now, can we admit, though, in the crazy, hectic busyness of everyday life, sometimes it's easy to lose sight of the purpose? We lose sight of the goal. We just slip into survival mode. You know, forget the end game. We just got to get through the day. That's the goal today. Let's just survive. Let's just get through dinner. Let's get, let's get to bedtime, get the kids in bed. We'll talk about tomorrow, tomorrow. You know, sometimes it's, it's, it's like that. The tyranny of the urgent can overwhelm what's truly important. But we need to remember the target, the purpose. Uh, we want to do everything we can to raise our boys and girls to be wise men and women. All right, so there's target. Here's the second word training training train up a child in the way he should go where to train our children well how do we train them well the bible's going to help us with this go to proverbs 29 twenty nine fifteen. proverbs 29:15: the rod and reproof give wisdom but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother well isn't that the truth The rod and reproof give wisdom. So here's how we train up our child. How do you train a child in the way he should go? Well, here's two tools. The rod and reproof. The rod and reproof. Or we could say discipline and direction. So let's break this down. First of all, the rod. The rod or discipline. Now you know what the rod is, right? My grandmother called it a switch. (laughs) The board of education. A spanking, if you will. Corporal punishment. In chapter thirteen and verse twenty four. Proverbs thirteen and verse twenty four. He who withholds his rod hates his son. He who loves him disciplines him diligently. Now you ought to know we're not talking about abuse. There's never a reason or an excuse to harm a child, physically or emotionally or any other way. So you never harm your child. So we're not talking about abuse, but we're talking about corporate punishment, corporal excuse me, corporal punishment lovingly and calmly administered. And the Bible promotes this. Max Anders, an Old Testament guy, said this, Proverbs does not endorse cruelty. It emphasizes tenderness and instruction. And as you administer the rod, you never do that in anger. You always do it very calmly. And if you're too mad, then you, you need to be in time out first. So you never do it in anger. You never do it in any way that would physically harm your child. And... and um. You don't punish childishness. I mean, we go on and on. You don't punish childishness. Don't punish a child for being childish. She's a child. But when a child is defiant, you know, when they spill their milk, that's not an occasion to spank. But when they stand up and tell you, I'm not going to do that and you can't make me. Oh, it's on now. It's on. Here we go. You want to know when they are defiant, disobedient, that's what you better correct. That's what you better watch out for. And by the way, we're talking... These are children, toddlers, school-aged children. You, you, don't, you don't spank teenagers and so forth. I mean, you have to have some common sense. So rod or discipline. Let's look at some other verses. Proverbs 22 and verse 15. Proverbs 22 and verse 15. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. In chapter 23, just the next chapter over, verse 13, 23, 13. Do not hold back discipline from the child. Although you strike him with the rod, he will not die. No, he won't die from that spanking. And you shall strike him with the rod and rescue his soul from Sheol, that's the grave. So he won't die from the spanking. In fact, you may save his life by the spanking. That is discipline in general. In Proverbs 29:17. Proverbs 29:17. Correct your son, and he will give you comfort. He will also delight your soul. Correct your son; he will give you comfort. The idea he will he will give you rest. You will have peace. You don't have to lie awake at night wondering what's what is he doing now. You know what's coming next. You a disciplined, instructed child. He will delight your soul. He brings joy to your life as well. And then chapter chapter three. Let's go back to Proverbs three. 311, my son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as the father corrects the son in whom he delights. So our father in heaven, the only perfect parent, our father in heaven also uses the rod and reproof. He disciplines his children. In fact, the New Testament says he disciplines every child he receives. And if you don't experience his discipline from time to time, you're not his child. He disciplines every child he receives and reproves. He, he directs as well. Proverbs thirteen twenty four. He who withholds his rod hates his son. He who loves him disciplines him diligently. So love and discipline go hand in hand. If you think you love your child too much to discipline them, you don't love your child. You love yourself too much. No, if you love your child, you discipline them, and the loving parent will discipline his child, her child. So there is the rod or discipline, but then there's also reproof and direction. Reproof or direction, the rod and reproof. Reproof would be that verbal instruction, that verbal direction, and these two go together. Anytime you are using the rod, it ought to come with some reproof. Here's what you did wrong. Here's what's about to happen and why. Here's what you did. Here's why it was wrong. Here's what you should have done. Here's what you need to do next time. And here's why that is right. Now, here comes the rod. There ought to be rod and reproof. And more often than not, nine times out of ten, all you need is the reproof. More than usual, more, more, more often than not, all you need is the reproof. The rod ought to be few and far between. You don't need much of that. Every now and then, but it shouldn't take much Usually the reproof is all you need. But the rod and reproof, these are two tools. God uses them on his children and he loves his children. There's an old article that's been around for like 50 years or better, been circulating. It may have come from the Houston Police Department back in the 50s. Might not have. Hard to say. It's anonymous, so it's hard to say who wrote it or when or where. But it's been around for 50 years or better. But it goes like this. How to train your child to be a delinquent. Or 12 ways to ruin your kids. So here's, and again, it's been around for a while. You may have seen this before. How to train your child to be a delinquent. Number one, when, you're, when your child is still an infant, give him everything he wants. This way he'll think the world owes him a living when he grows up. When he picks up swearing and off-color jokes, laugh at him, encourage him. As he grows up, he'll pick up cuter phrases that'll floor you. Never give him any spiritual training. Just wait till he's 21 and let him decide for himself. Avoid using the word wrong. It'll give your child a guilt complex. You can condition him to believe later that society is against him and he's being persecuted when he steals a car. Pick up after him his books, shoes, clothes, do everything for him so he'll be experienced in throwing all responsibility onto others. Let him read all printed material he can get his hands on and never monitor his TV. Sterilize the silverware, but let his mind feast on garbage. Quarrel frequently in his presence and then he won't be surprised when his home is broken up later. Satisfies every craving for food, drink, and comfort. Every sensual desire must be gratified. Denial may lead to harmful frustrations. Give your child all the spending money he wants. Don't make him earn his own. Why should he have things as tough as you did? Take his side against neighbors, teachers, and policemen. They're all against him. When he gets into trouble, make up excuses for yourself by saying, I never could do anything with him. And then number 12, prepare for a life of grief. You're likely to have it. Twelve ways to raise a delinquent. Well, so number one, target. We want to raise wise adults. Number two, train. Train up a child in the way he should go. Thirdly is timing. The third word is timing. Timing. Train up a child. This discipline and direction, it needs to start early. It needs to continue consistently. And then it needs to cease completely. (laughs) So let's break this down. First of all, you start... Early. Go to Proverbs 19, Proverbs 19 and verse 18. Proverbs 19, 18. Discipline your son while there is hope and do not desire his death. Discipline your son while there is hope. You start early. If you can't manage a four-year-old, you won't be in trouble when he's 14. If your six-year-old is running the house, Lord help you when she's 16. <laughs> nope. better start early. And then continue consistently. Continue consistently. And here, I want to say, take advantage of teachable moments. Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. Now listen. You shall teach them diligently to your, ch- to your sons... "...and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up." In other words, the ebb and flow of life, the everyday activity, activities of everyday life. Teach these things. They should be on your heart, and then you can talk about these things to your children. In the everyday course of life, those teachable moments that arise all through the day. So continue consistently. And then cease completely. Cease completely. We said before that the first nine or ten chapters of the book of Proverbs, the the setting, the context is a father talking to his son, trying trying to get some wisdom into that boy's head. But it's not a little boy. He's not talking to a child. He's talking to probably a teenager slash young adult. Because the son in view, he is old enough to be involved in street gangs, street violence. He's old enough to be tempted sexually, to patronize prostitutes, to go into debt. Or to drink. So this is an older teenager or younger adult. Parenting needs to, I mean, we begin, start early, continue consistently, and then cease completely. Years ago, when we lived in New Orleans, I went fishing with a fellow in the Louisiana bayous. He's an avid bass fisherman. And we're in those narrow channels, those narrow bayous. And he told me, when you're fishing, you need to fish all the way to the bank and all the way to the boat. So you want to cast your lure clear to the bank and then you fish all the way to the boat because it's a narrow bayou and they they may bite at the bank. They may bite just about the time you pull the lure out of the the water. You fish all the way to the boat. It's kind of a picture of parenting. You need to start from the cradle. (laughs) Go all the way to the bank. Start at the beginning. The day they get born, you need to start praying for your child, praying that God's spirit would move in their heart, praying for yourself that you'd be a, a wise parent Praying for your child. I mean, from, the day, from the day one. And then you fish all the way to the boat. What's the boat? Well, the wedding ceremony for one. <laughs> when they get married, your job is over. The Bible says, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. If you try to parent married children, you're asking for trouble. Don't do it. Your job as a parent is done. You've raised them up. You did the best you could. Now it's on them, and they have left you, and now they cling to their spouse. Biblically speaking, your job is over. You might be a consultant now, and they might come to you for advice. Mom, what do you think? Dad, what do you think? And then you can freely give it when they ask for it. But other than that, no, you've done your job. You you fished to the boat. (laughs) Now you're done. Well, what what about an adult child who's not married? Well, the Bible doesn't really talk about that, but I'll give you my two cents worth. It's worth every penny. What I told my boys was this. Being 18 does not make you a man. Paying your own way makes you a man. (laughs) When you can pay your own bills, when you can move out, you have a job, you can pay your own bills, congratulations, you're a grown-up. That's being a grown-up. In my house, it, it went like this. In my house, my rules. You're in my house, you're under my authority, you're attached to my name, you're my responsibility. There may be greater freedom because you're of age. I'm not going to treat you, when you're 19, I'm not going to treat you like you're 13. There's more freedom. But there are some things we're not going to have in my house. And so, I mean, they're just ground rules. My house, my rules. But when they can move out and they're on their own and they can pay their own ways, I would submit your job is done. Now you're a consultant but you've trained them, you've raised them all the way to the boat. So it needs to cease completely. Well, all right, let's go back to the Bible. That's enough of me. Let's get back to the Bible. Number four, tailor. The word is tailor. So target, train, timing, and then tailor. Again, you train up a child in the way he should go. In the context of the whole book of Proverbs, the way he should go is the way of wisdom. I mean, that's, that's what's in view in the whole book of Proverbs. Here's the way you should go. Here's the way you should live. And this is the way you want to train your child. They should go in the same way. That is the way of wisdom, to live life in God's will, to live life with God's ways or in God's ways. That's the way of wisdom. Any other way is the way of the fool. So in the book of Proverbs, that's the target, that's the purpose, that's the context and that makes the most sense, in my opinion. But then there's another approach to that verse. You'll, you'll come across it from time to time. Some scholars would say, well, the word way is a pictorial word, and it, and, it, and it pictures the bend of a bow. And so the idea, the implication is that you ought to train up a child according to his bent, according to his individuality and so forth. I don't necessarily think that's the best interpretation of that verse, But it's good advice. (laughs) It's good advice either way. It's a good application. Your children are unique individuals, just like everybody else. Isn't it amazing how different children can be, brothers and sisters can be, in the same household, same parents, same gene pool, same environment, and, man, they can be day and dark, I mean, day and light. I mean, it fascinates me. It shouldn't. I mean, it's the history of the world, but I think it's interesting. So you might have one who's artistic and another who's athletic. One is analytical, another is creative. One, is, one is, is an extrovert and the other is an introvert. I mean, just you train up a child according to his bent or her bent. In other words, part of the joy and the challenge of parenting is to getting to know your child, identifying those proclivities and those capabilities and capacities and encouraging those and developing those, uh, developing your child or allowing your child to develop the way God has made them in that sense, and those capabilities and so forth. So along those lines, here are some mistakes you don't want to make. One, don't try to make your child what you used to be. You train up a child in the way he should go, not the way you should have gone, <laughs> you know, or you did go. Train up a child in the way he should go. Don't try to make your child what you used to be. Maybe you are a straight-A student. You are the valedictorian of your class. That doesn't mean your child can be. You are the quarterback on the football team. Doesn't mean your child can be or should be. So don't try to make your child what you used to be. Don't make your child what you wanted to be. Well, I didn't get to play football, so my kid is. Maybe your child doesn't like football. Well, I didn't get to go to music school and be a trained musician, but my child will. Maybe your child doesn't want to be a musician. I don't know. Don't try to make your child what you wanted to be. You lived your life. <laughs> you let your child live their life. And then here's a third, uh, a third mistake or to avoid. Don't play favorites. Don't play favorites. So tailor your parenting to your child. That works with discipline. One form of discipline may work better with one child than another. There are some children that are so tender-hearted. All you have to do is look at them mean, and they just fall apart. I'm sorry, mommy. I'm sorry. Oh, you just looked at. Just give them the look. You know, and then they fall apart. There other. There are other children. Man, they're tough as nails. It's going to take a whole lot more than a the look. <laughs> they're just hard. You, you just, it, it, it's true for discipline. It's true for teaching methods, te- teaching approaches. Some kids are visual learners. Other kids are tactile learners. What, what communicates to one child doesn't communicate as well to another child. So you can tailor your parenting to your children and who they are, what they are, what they're like, but don't play favorites. You want to mess up your family? Play favorites he's our favorite. We, everybody knows she's, she's the favorite. Oh, Read the Bible. Jacob and Esau come to mind. Don't play favorites with your kids. We've told our children we don't play favorites. When we die, we're going to spread all the debts evenly among all three kids. So no no favoritism there. Don't play favorites. Alright, let's keep going. Number five, the fifth word, tough. Tough. You're going to have to toughen up. <laughs> on, the, on the parenting road, you're going to have to be tough. James Dobson wrote a book some years ago called Parenting Isn't for Cowards. It's tough. Your child's not going to like you some days. Guess what? You're not going to like your child some days. Man, that's, that's just how it is. Betty Davis said, you, if you've never been hated by your child, you've never been a parent. You're not going to be popular. And when your child is a teenager, you might as well forget it. One day... One day you hope to be your child's friend. For now, you've got to be a parent. And that means they're not going to like you and you're not going to like them. Someday we're not going to be very friendly. <laughs> you're, you're the one who's laying down the rules. You're the one who's enforcing the rules. And that's going to make you decidedly unpopular at times. You can't win the popularity contest. There's going to be some, some teacher, some coach that hung the moon. Everything they say is magical. Or they're friends. They're always going to be more popular with their friends. You're not here for a popularity contest. You're here to train up a child in the way he should go and the hopes and prayers that when he is old, he won't depart from it. Now, I can tell you this. Here's a little little light at the end of the tunnel. My kids are grown. They're in their mid and late 20s now. My kids are grown. When they were teenagers, I'll be honest with you, there are some days I didn't like them. Loved them to death. Just don't want to be around you right now. You know, Loved them to death, but they weren't very likable. Sometimes i got to tell you, now I like them. I enjoy being with them. I enjoy conversations. It's fun to talk to them. But there were some times in the teen teen years when much fun, okay? You're going to have to be tough. You're going to have to have a tough skin. Like Betty Davis said, get ready to be hated. That's just part of parenting. And then number six, talk. Talk to your children. Talk to your children about the Lord. Like we said, take advantage of those teachable moments while you're sitting down in your house, while you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, there are are all these teachable moments that you can capture and talk to your children about the Lord. It might just be a beautiful sunset. Look what God did. Only God could paint the sky like that. You might be at the ocean. You know, at this ocean, this makes me think of God. Look how vast. It's just unbelievable. Look what God did. Or, Or, you know, look how God made us. I mean, just look how God has provided. And here we have this. God met our need. We were praying about this. And God showed up. Look what God did. So talk to your children about God. When you sit down, rise up all the way. It's not just a Sunday morning thing. It's an everyday thing. Talk to them about the Lord. And then number two, pray like their lives depend on it because they kind of do. Adrian Rogers used to say, lash them to the throne of God in prayer. Pray for your children. From the day they get born, start praying for them. Pray that one day they'd be born into the family of God too that they would say yes to Jesus Christ. Pray for yourself as a parent. Pray for them. Pray for your child. Now, we've at the beginning of the series, we talked about Proverbs, how to be wise with Proverbs, what Proverbs are and are not. And this Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he won't depart from it. That's often a misused, misunderstood proverb. It's not a promise, it's not a rock-ribbed rock guarantee. Well, if I read the Bible to my kids and bring them to church when they're old, they will, they'll, they'll be wise men and women. They'll love the Lord. Life's not that simple. And your children aren't robots. It's not that cut and dried. This is a proverb. Remember, proverbs are probabilities. This is your greatest probability of raising a wise child, a, a wise adult. You train them up in the way they should go. That's the probability. You and I know, we've seen it, you read it in the Bible, you've seen it around, you've experienced it. Sometimes wise parents can raise foolish children. And sometimes wise adults come out of foolish homes, wicked homes. In fact, here in the book of Proverbs, just listen, Proverbs 13, 1, A wise son accepts his father's discipline, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. It could go either way. Proverbs seventeen twenty one. He who sires a fool does so to his sorrow. The father of a fool has no joy. It could go either way. Proverbs 17, 25, A foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her who bore him. So the point is this. Don't pin your hopes on a proverb. Again, it's a probability. It's an observation. Here's how life generally tends to work out. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he won't depart from it. Generally speaking, your greatest probability of raising a wise son or daughter is to train them in the way they should go. But ultimately, that's not your hope. It's not that proverb, but it's in the promises of prayer. Pin your hopes on the prayer that God is a God who can do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or even imagine. That God is a God of grace and mercy and tenacious love. That God invites us to pray that, that, the, Holy, that the Holy Spirit can move in a child's heart or an adult child's heart as well. So pray, 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 pray. We need to pray for our kids. I'm not old by any stretch of the imagination. Although I went to Taco Bell and the girl at the cash register gave me a senior discount. <laughs> and I accepted it. <laughs> I'm not old. But I can tell you that my, my boys saw things in middle school that I wasn't exposed to till I went off to college. Now, I went to a small Christian school in Ohio called The Ohio State University. <laughs> no, it's not Christian. It's not small either. I saw the world when I went to Ohio State. I got introduced to the world. My kids were exposed to things in middle school that I did not get exposed to until I was off in college. Now, that's been a few years ago. Our grade school children are being exposed to worse than that today. And it's on their phones and it's on the TV and it's in the music, it's in the movies. It's everywhere all the time. And you can protect this and monitor that and filter that and you can do 95 different things, but there's still a 5% opening and that stuff is getting to our kids. Hell is coming for our children. It is hellacious what they are being exposed to and what is being promoted to them these days. Pray for your children. Pray, pray, pray. Talk to your children about God. Talk to God about your children. And then number seven, model wisdom. Model wisdom. I couldn't think of a T word there. (laughs) So model wisdom. Lead by example. Your best hope is of raising a wise son or daughter is to be a wise mom or dad. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on, unto thine own understanding. and all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. That should be your lifestyle. If you do everything right, and you won't, but you get what I'm saying. If you live out a righteous lifestyle before them under the lordship of Christ, you love the Lord, serve the Lord, you you follow the Lord, you trust the Lord, you live out an authentic faith in front of your kids, there's still a chance that your child might reject your faith. They might. But I guarantee you, if you're a hypocrite, they will reject your hypocrisy because they see you for who you are and what you are. They know what you really are at home. And if you're playing some kind of a Christian game, uh, they know that. And when they get old enough, they'll reject that. I got better things to do on a Sunday morning. <laughs> Who, I'm not going to live by those rules. I'll make my own rules. I'll do what I want to do. And they will reject hypocrisy. So, your best hope of raising a wise son, a wise daughter, is for you to be a wise mom, a wise dad yourself. That begins by knowing the Lord. Do you know the Lord? Do you have a personal relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ? Have you been saved? If not, that's your greatest need this morning. And I invite you to come to Him even today. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's every one of us. All have sinned. The wages of sin is death. Our sins have separated us from God and condemned us to an eternity apart from God. The good news is is that God loved us and sent His Son to die on the cross for our sins Christ died for you. He paid the penalty for your sins on the cross. He was buried. He was raised again, as we talked about a while ago, in baptism. And he's alive today, and he offers you the gift of eternal life, the forgiveness of sin. If you will turn from sin and turn to him in repentance and faith and say, oh, Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. Forgive me, save me, change me, take me. I'm yours. If you'll repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, he'll save you, he'll forgive you, and he'll make you his child, a child of God we invite you to come. If, that's, if, you've, if you want to do that today or if you've never done that, or if you have questions about that, we invite you to come. In a moment, we'll stand up and sing. I'll be right here. Come to me and say, Preacher, I need Jesus. I want to be saved, however you want to say it. We'd love to talk with you privately. Pray with you if you'd like to, but you could leave here today, child of God. Say yes to Jesus Christ. Or perhaps you're looking for a church home. If God has brought you here, we'd love to have you. You come, say, we want to join the church. We'll take it from there. Or follow him in baptism like Lee Lou did. We can talk about that. Or if you need to pray with somebody, we'd love to pray with you. So whatever God is saying to you, we invite you to say yes to him. Let's stand together quietly, reverently, and prayerfully. Father in heaven, God, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for being that perfect, heavenly Father, our Abba Father, who reproves and rebukes, who disciplines and directs his children. Father, I pray for the parents in this room, those with... Young children, school-age children, teenagers, God, I pray for them. They need wisdom with their children. And these crazy times, satanic times, the threat is so real. There is an adversary, the devil, who's walking about seeking whom he may devour, and he has a thirst for our kids. God, I pray for these parents. Help them, encourage them, strengthen them for this most holy undertaking. God, I pray for our boys and girls and our teenagers as well. This world that they live in, what a cesspool. God, I pray that you might protect them and that, that your word would take root in their hearts and lives and their mm-hmm. minds as they are exposed to your word at home and at church. God, I pray, I pray for them too. And us as grandparents and, and friends friends and teachers and others who have an influence on our children, God, I pray that you, we, might, we might be that influence to counteract what our kids are exposed to in this world. God, I pray that you take charge of this time of decision. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.